You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. Welcome. If this is your first time, welcome to Hope Church. If this is your first time online, welcome to Hope Church. Um, My name's David. I'm one of the pastors here. Ruben is a pastor here. He's going to be teaching in the next service with the Spanish service. Um, You might notice around here there's a couple of languages spoken. Um, This is a family that speaks two languages, but it is one family, and God has done a work here uh, to bring together uh, multiple cultures, two languages in the hope of Jesus Christ. And as I've been thinking about even this, this past year and, and what has been our first year as a church and the experience of that, um, I can't help but just think about how many of you in this service, how many of those that are going to be in the next service have invested an effort of love into that vision of being one family. And we've got to see the fruit of that. That's been incredible. So thank you, every one of you who has invested yourself into that. Um, God has blessed that, and he's continuing to bless that. Um, Praise the Lord. Let's look in our Bibles this morning in the book of Matthew. We're going to jump around a little bit, but starting in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 35. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This morning, we're continuing a series through the letters of hope. Where did the letter P? Um, We have covered H, which is hearing with faith, to hear the word of God and to respond in faith, to trust God's wisdom over our own. The O is obedience by faith, responding not just to be hearers of God's word, but doers of God's word in obedience to the command of our Lord Jesus Christ as he's guiding us in our life. And this morning we're looking at praying in faith. All of these vital foundational principles for living in the hope of Jesus Christ, to live effectively as a church, to live effectively as individual Christians in our lives, these are vitally important. Um, so this morning, prayer, praying, and faith. When I think about prayer, it's one of those things in the Christian life that, that is a, that's, that's a barrier, it's a difficulty. Usually, when you first come to the Lord, Praying out loud, especially in front of someone else, is very uncomfortable. You don't want to do that. Uh, and, and sometimes you just feel embarrassed by it. You're not sure of it. You're not sure what to say. Um, if, you, if that's where you're at, that's normal. Can I encourage you in that? That's normal uh, to feel that way, to feel awkward. And, and one of the benefits, if you can get to be a part of a small group, that's a great environment, a safe environment to get to know people and to say, okay, I haven't done this before. For them to know you haven't done that before, 
and then to just exercise uh, that privilege that we have to go before the Lord in prayer. That's normal. But can I tell you that, that as you go through your, your life as a Christian, prayer still is a difficult thing for one reason or another. We start to get comfortable praying out loud. We start to get comfortable with kind of what is what we go to for when I'm addressing the Lord, things that I like to say, how I do that. Um, so I'm not trying to get past that initial awkwardness, but, but, but it becomes more an issue of, of practice and faith and, and just understanding the place of prayer in my life and working through that. Prayer is vitally important. I think all of us can say we don't pray enough and perhaps we wish the effect of our prayers was greater. This morning, as we're opening the word of God to teach us about prayer, my hope in my own life and in all of us, that we don't go away from this place in the same place that we were with respect to prayers when we came in here, that, that God would show us something in here to encourage and challenge us in some aspect of our prayer, no matter where you're at. That's my prayer this morning for us. I want my prayer, I want our prayer to be effective for the kingdom of God. So the three points we're gonna go through this morning are three things that, that I've seen in God's teaching. Now, certainly God's word will, will teach us more than these three things, but three things that are important for being effective in prayer. Before we do that, let's commit it to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it isn't out of the wisdom of David up here that, that we go to to figure out what it is that effective, powerful, real, true prayer in the practice of Christian life is. God, we can find that out from your word. So I pray, God, that you would open our hearts to what you have for us. God, let your word speak through my words. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus here, in Matthew chapter 9, he's been going throughout healing, he's been preaching, the kingdom is coming, and he sees the crowds, he says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When we see our community around us through the eyes of Jesus, we should see something similar. When we see the people in our workplace, the people at the soccer field, or wherever it is that God has placed us, we should see something similar. When we see them through God's eyes, that they are harassed and helpless spiritually, in need of a shepherd, in fact, in need of the good shepherd, Jesus himself. And we should, if we are seeing them through his eyes, have compassion on them. So Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, that's meaning the, the people that need Jesus, the, the harvest is plentiful. It's, it's ready for those to go and gather in. Talking about people here. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so he says, therefore, pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest but to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's, this is the first principle of effective prayer is to pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. 
Notice what he doesn't say here. He doesn't say, look at this great need, the great need, the, the harvest, the, 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 the people that need Jesus, that need a shepherd. That is the great need. That is, in fact, the greatest need in our world today is that need. And he doesn't say, so, so God, the Lord of the harvest, is going to go and meet that need. He doesn't say it that way. And, and he doesn't say, uh, there's this great need. The laborers are few. We need, and he's sending now laborers out to meet those in their need. That's us. We're the laborers. But, but at this point, um, the Lord of the harvest, who's that? That's Jesus standing right there. The laborers, who are those? It's the, the disciples right there. They're all present. And, and he's not saying, okay, disciples, this is what needs to happen to meet this need. You are going to start building a church, and you're going to need to disciple disciples, and, and you're going to be sending people out, and this is how it's going to work. That is what was going to happen, but that's not what Jesus says. What is the most important, vital action that would be the next action seeing that great need is to pray. Everyone present who's going to be meeting that need, everyone who's going to be meeting that need present already, pray. Pray earnestly. The, the Greek word behind pray there, actually pray earnestly just represents one Greek word. Um, it's not the normal word that's, that's used for pray in the Bible, um, or it's not the most common word. There's multiple words that get translated pray. This is, this is not the most common. This word, um, it, it's equally translated beg in the New Testament. To petition, to, to be on our knees before God and entreat Him with everything that we are, God, send laborers into the harvest. And so that's why they translate it as pray earnestly to capture that idea of what's behind that word for pray. Pray earnestly. What does it look like to pray earnestly? To truly entreat the Lord with everything that we have. Look with me in Luke chapter 18. Starting in verse one. It says, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This is almost cheating. Luke is telling us what the meaning of the parable before he even tells us the parable. So the meaning is there that Jesus is about to give this parable uh, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. How many of us need to hear that, to not lose heart in our prayer, to continue in prayer? How many of us have loved ones who don't know the Lord that we have lifted up and sometimes just kind of given up. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. How many of us have, have coworkers or friends that don't know the Lord? How many of us are, are just in a situation that's difficult? And we've been lifting that up to the Lord. And we need to hear, don't lose heart from our Lord. Keep praying. 
Here's the parable. And he said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. He just wanted to shut her up. Enough already. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? That's earnest prayer. Day and night. Day and night. Lord, begging before the Lord. Lord, answer my prayer. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I almost don't want to read the last part because it's convicting. What's he saying here? Persistent in prayer, God will answer. But then he turns it back to us. Is there faith? What? He's promising us to answer and to work. If we pray, God will respond. And yet, are we persistent in prayer? Are we trusting God in faith? Are we begging before God to act? Something when I think about persistence of prayer, you know, we think of things through our own experience and our own way of things. The memory of something fades over time. If we have a, a, a child who just keeps asking and asking and asking, really it's just the, the, the last couple of days of asking that's mostly in our memory, those previous ones start to fade out. Sometimes praise the Lord for that. <laughs> to God, every moment that we pray is fresh in his mind and he sees it clearly. Never forgets. If I think of the darkness <laughs> that is a world devoid of faith, and one person one time prays with just the tiniest bit of faith, that's the tiniest dot that can't even be seen in that. But then that person prays and prays and prays. God sees every prayer that person brings before them. And then the people gather around that person and they pray. Day and night, they pray and pray. And what does that present to God? What is he saying in this parable? Persist in prayer and God will answer. What is he seeing? He's seeing a glowing light of faith in the darkness. We need to be persistent in our prayer, to be earnest in our prayer. What else is, is earnest prayer? Fasting is a form of earnest prayer. I don't know if you've ever practiced fasting in your life, but fasting, when we just say, Lord, my focus is going to be on you. My focus is on you. I am entreating you, Lord, to answer my prayer. And so we'll take time and take food out or take something out of our life 
so that our focus is on God, that, that we, we don't need to be comfortable, we need an answer from God. We're putting away comfort, we're putting away things that, that are, are just for us, and we're saying, I'm setting that aside, God, what's most important right now is that you hear my prayer. There's a lot of ways we can fast in 2020. Um, food is one of them. Uh, that's, that's most traditionally the case. You see fasting in the, in the scripture that looks a little different in different cases. Um, certainly there's other things I think that we can take out of our life that didn't exist back then, but that would have that effect of putting our focus on God, something that we would feel uh, to, to lay it down, perhaps Facebook for a week. Can you imagine? But every time you're tempted to open that up and do something with it, say, no, right now, I'm praying. I am seeking the Lord on this. Certainly, hunger does the same thing. When I'm feeling hungry, no, you know, I'm not going to go get something to eat. I'm going to go continue to lift up my request before the Lord. Lots of things. I've heard of people removing shopping at Amazon has, has become this thing that if I don't have a package on my doorstep every day, you know, I'm missing something. Give that up for a week. Whatever, whatever is your thing that you think, oh, this would be a difficult thing, but that definitely would work. Well, then do that. <laughs> don't pick the easy one. Pick the one that really is going to get your heart in the right place to be saying, I am entreating the Lord in prayer. Fasting, a wonderful way to entreat the Lord. He continues with another parable uh, in verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Again, he's giving us a clue to the parable before he says the parable. In verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not a man like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And this gets our second principle of effective prayer, is to pray humility. We need to pray with humility. Not, look at me, Lord. Not, not, not for uh, others to see us in prayer. If you're feeling really awkward about praying in a group, just praise the Lord for that. My, my prayer's not great. I don't have good prayers. Well, praise the Lord because your prayers are not meant to sound good and look good before people. Your prayers are there to, to just pour out your heart to the God who hears us. 
That's what our prayer is for. So just praise the Lord that you don't feel like your prayers are great, that you don't have to deal with pride in that then. Who is the perfect example of humility? The perfect example even of earnest prayer with humility was our Lord Jesus. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 36. Jesus facing his crucifixion would be coming soon. He's with his disciples. Says, then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there to pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We will never face such a great trial as what our Lord faced to take on himself the punishment for the sins of the world. What was God's answer? At first you're tempted to say, God's, the father said no. But, but if you look at how he asked the question, he asks it in humility, putting first the will of the Father in his request. And what's attached to that is an honest representation of the Christ who was fully God and fully human. We're seeing the humanity there of Christ, of feeling what, what's there that he's gonna have to face. And, and, and I think even, even uh, the fullness in, in, in God, in the, Godhead of Christ, that, that this is about, to, what he's going to face is going to affect him through and through. And he says, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He's saying, God, what I want is your purpose, the end goal, your will, that, that, that is the world saved from their sin. That is still what I want. But if there's a way that we can get there that I don't have to pass through this, Lord, Father. And so the Father's answer is, there is no other way. And we see, we see Jesus then going back to his disciples. He came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Bible says that Jesus knew every temptation that we have, that he felt every temptation that we have, and yet was without sin. Here's an example. Jesus dealing with the weakness uh, of humanity, and yet being God, contrasted with the disciples who cannot stay awake. It says in another chapter, for their sorrow, 
So then again, a second time, Jesus goes back in prayer. He went away and prayed, My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Do you see the humility of his prayer? The persistence of his prayer. He's going back to pray again. Yet, if there is some way, is the father not listening? No, the father's listening. If we look at Luke's account, it says that between these prayers, angels came to minister and encourage and strengthen him. As we're persistently going to the God in prayer over and over again, God is not deaf to our prayers, and he is, he is not idle in, in ministering to us and, and coming alongside us and sending helpers to, to encourage us. He came again and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. Seems like he didn't even bother waking them this time. Third time he goes, leaving them again. He went away and prayed for the third time and saying the same words again. Jesus is the example of persistent prayer. If Jesus needed to be earnest and persistent in his prayer, why should I think different about myself? If Jesus brought everything, everything that he felt and everything that was his, his concern before the Father, how, how should I feel like there's a problem with me doing that at all? If, if Jesus, in his prayer, continued to put the will of the Father before everything else, why should I do different? Pray earnestly with humility, putting the purpose of God foremost. Do we do that? In our work, do we do that as we're looking, even with our church, as we look at this purpose that God has given us and, and to be persistent in prayer to the purpose that he has before us? And, and if there's certain things that we want a certain way, then, then bring those to him, but always with his will and his purpose as primary, to be humble before him in that. In, in our jobs, it, Job situation. God, why do I continue in this? Do we go in that and we say, well, but your will, God, above everything that I have. And, and when, we, when we do that, we start to see things through his eyes. My job is not just to go make some money. My job involves people. My job involves relationships. My job involves the purpose of God for his kingdom that he's calling me to. And perhaps... He has you there for a purpose to be there a little bit longer, not for your purpose, but for his purpose in the life of someone else. You don't know what that might be. You might not even get to see it. But you get to say, Lord, your will above mine. And know that he is working. Um, we were married eight years before we had kids. Um, and part of it was our planning. You know, I needed to finish school before we tried to have kids. And then, okay, this is, this is our plan. This is how it's going to work. This is the best ever. And then now we're going to try to have kids. But then we weren't able to have kids. And we went through tests. We went through medication. We went through different things, trying to have kids. And then we were excited, finally. I can't look at her while I do this. Um, <laughs> we were excited, finally, to, be, to show pregnancy. Yes. 
And then we dealt with the miscarriage. And I think that's much harder on the wife than the husband. And then we continued to pray. And God was showing us how to put his will first in something we didn't understand. And ultimately, God led us to adopt. And we adopted our first. What a joy to adopt. In hindsight, that was God's plan. I wouldn't have it any other way. In the midst of it, God, you're not hearing us. <laughs> For three years to go, praying, God, bless us with a child. And after we adopted, bang, 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 three more. <laughs> God's purpose, God's timing, God's way. And some people, the, the bang, 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 three more doesn't happen. But no matter where we're at, no matter what's happening, we put God's will first, knowing that that is best. That's humility. Sometimes in the midst of that, in the midst of those three years or whatever it is for you, you start wondering, does it even make a difference that I pray? If you feel that, that's normal. You hear that, that's normal. It's something we all deal with. But why don't we get an answer from God? There's two reasons that we don't get an answer from God that are given us, to us in the book of James. I'm not gonna turn there, but it says you don't have, first, because you don't ask. How challenging is that? You don't have because you don't ask. There's no persistent prayer behind it. Now, now, does it always have to be persistent for God to answer? No, there's been times that I've been surprised. One time I prayed, and I forgot, but God didn't. And he's just showing himself, say, look, David, I don't forget your request. But he wants us to be persistent in our prayer. You don't have because you don't ask. And the second reason, you ask and you don't receive. Why? Because the, the things you ask for are not good. It's just to, to spend on your own passion. Two reasons. If we're, if we're asking in humility to put his will above our own, then we're not in that latter category. We're saying, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you, and I'm submitting to your will in my life. In humility. Does humble prayer mean that I don't pray for myself? I've actually run into this. I mean, if one person feels that way, then there's more. The times that, the, well, there's many times that the, the, the subject of prayer is myself. But I can tell you, um, if you're putting the will of God above as, as the primary thing, when you go into prayer to God and you're considering yourself, those are the times when God's word convicts. Those are the times when God opens your eyes to things that need to change in your own life. It is good to pray for yourself with God's will as primary in that. God, what is your purpose in my life? What a great question to ask before the Lord in prayer. To, to honestly say, God, these are things that, that are difficult for me. These are things that, that emotionally I'm dealing with. And to lay those before him 
and say, but Lord, in all of this, your will be done and then let him speak into your life. Be persistent even in praying for yourself. Certainly pray for a marriage today. In this 2020, boy, marriage needs prayer. If, if day and night persistent prayer is not a part of our marriages, which I am challenged in that, is specifically to pray for my marriage, to pray for my spouse. Day and night persistent, God, things aren't completely honoring and glorifying to you in my marriage. I am not, as a man, perfectly representing Christ to my wife as a husband is supposed to in marriage. Lift those things, persistent in prayer. God, change my marriage. God, let my marriage grow to be glorifying to you and to show the glory of your purpose for marriage in a world where marriage is more often broken than not. So in those times, we're wondering, is God answering? We can be confident if we're submitting to his will. Turn with me real quick to 1 John chapter 5. Starting in verse 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. There's confidence there. He hears us. We can be persistent in prayer knowing that he hears us if we're speaking according to his will. All right, the final principle for effective prayer I see in God's word is that we pray in faith. That is our, our letter, praying in faith. What does that mean? Turn with me to James chapter five. Starting in verse 13. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm in the wrong book. That's a great passage, but not the right one. Remember, humility. James chapter 5, right next to 1 John. All right. In verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. That's also a form of prayer, praise to the Lord. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let, him, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. There's a couple of things in here I want to draw our attention to. Pray. <clears throat> is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil 
in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Where is that faith represented here? Is it just something super special about those elders that were asked to come? You know, Jesus, when he went into his hometown, said, can't do miracles here. Why? There's no faith. Faith is represented in the ones who are praying, and it's represented also in the ones who called for the elders to come. In the one who's receiving the help, the woman in the crowd who reached out to touch Jesus' robe, thinking, if I can just touch his robe, then I can be healed. Her actions showed her faith. Everything in this is a demonstration of faith. Is there anything special about the oil? No. It's a demonstration of faith. All of it is a demonstration of faith. Then it also says in verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. What do we depend on for righteousness? Faith in Jesus Christ. First John deals with walking in the light, walking in the darkness. If we, if we let sin be, be unconfessed in our life, just being there in our life, then we're walking in darkness What is it that we need to do to get to a place where we are here, the prayer of a righteous person? Do we need to just fix everything in our life? No, it's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We become that person now back in fellowship with the Lord simply by the confession of our sin to now be heard by God. And our prayer will have great power as it's working. That's faith. There's a, there's a curious switch here. Is, is anyone among you sick? And then it starts talking about forgiveness of sin. Like, wait, what's it talking about here? It says, anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, will be forgiven. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about our current situation as, be, as living in a tent. Our body is the tent. And someday, this tent will be set aside, Right? So who are you? The tent? No. The tent's finite. It will end. When we think of sickness, we think of it from a perspective that puts our identity and who we are into the tent. And that is not a bad thing to have people come and pray over a tear in the tent. That is perfectly okay. And God cares about tears in the tent. But God sees the whole of who we are. And and what is sickness of the person at the core? It's sin. For 20 years of my marriage, I struggled with pornography. That was sickness in who I was that needed healing. God sees sickness in the person as sickness in the person that needs healing. And so you see why he would say then 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I had to confess my sins to my wife. Confess my sins to my pastor. Confess my, that was a sin that I needed help healing in my life, to have victory over that sin in my life. The men in my life, to, to confess that sin to them as well. And then through prayer and through walking now in the light, not hidden in darkness, there is then healing for that sickness. God sees the whole of who you are. And he wants us in faith then to pray and to invite others in to pray, confident that God is the one who can bring healing. Worship band can come on up. All right, where's my place? There we go. So consider your own prayer life. Is there anything this morning, as you just see all of this, is there something that you can do to richen your prayer life? This week, I would challenge all of us to take this week specifically. If you've never practiced fasting, try it. It could be for a day, it could be for morning, it could be for three days, or for a week. But whatever it is, not necessarily food, maybe it's social media, whatever it is for you. But let's, as a church, be persistent in prayer to our Lord, to lift up each other, to lift up the needs that we know, to lift up our church, to lift up our community, to lift up the harvest that is around us, to say, Lord of the harvest, send workers, and then to recognize that He's now working in us to send us to those that we know around us. Well, let him be the one to make that happen. Let's pray this week. If you've never prayed to accept Jesus as your Lord, that's the most important prayer in your life. That's still not an effort of our own to say, Here's, here, I'm responding to the Lord of the harvest who loves me. The the shepherd who sees the sheep that need, that need saving and, and who has laid his life down for the sheep to receive Christ in faith and say, you are my Lord and Savior. Save me from my sin. You don't have to get that prayer right either. It doesn't have to be formatted a certain way. It's the heart speaking to the Lord. Your will, not mine. The reason we have access to the Father, as we sung in the, in the last song at the beginning, he was the way maker. He made the way so that we could have access to the Father. We can be reconciled to the Father, and now we have this privilege to pray. Let's pray as a church. Right now, let's worship our Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, we enjoy your presence because of your sacrifice on the cross because you put the will of the Father first. God, we can't imagine what you endured for us. And as you call us to endure things for those that you love, help us to be encouraged, God, in you and not discouraged, 
Help us, God, to be a people who are persistent in our prayer. God, thank you for your purpose that is good. That as we put your will before our own, we know that your will is good and perfect. Even though we might not understand, we might not see it, God, we can know it is good because you are good. Help us be a church, God, that prays. Thank you, Lord, for the prayer warriors that are already in our church. God, I would even venture to say that we are a church that prays. But I know, God, that when you see the world, (laughs) you ask that question, will there be faith? God, don't let us be a church where faith is found lacking. But God, bring us to a place to put our faith wholly on you. Wholly on you. So God, we can see your mighty hand act in response. We commit this week, God, into your hands. And it's in the holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.